Hey, and welcome to another episode of Grinding the Mythos. I'm your host, Merlin, and today we're going to kind of take a step away from all of the locations that we normally do and go into the eastern lands. That's right, we're talking about some Japanese mythology coming up. So let's go and see what we got going on. For the Japanese lore here, I want to kind of touch base on the, I guess, god or monster here, um, specifically Yamata no Orochi. Now, to kind of put it in perspective here, Orochi is essentially like a hydra, but of the Japanese lore here. Um... The translation of the name Yamata Norochi is actually eight-branched serpent, and that's pretty much accurate. It has eight heads, eight tails, a body so large that it can cover up to eight valleys and hills. Apparently, it really likes the number eight. Um, its body is permanently covered in, like, red, like, blood. They think that it might be just, you know, iron and whatnot from dragging across the ground, but it is permanently covered that color now. The eyes of it are bright red like that of the winter cherry. Uh, and its body itself, uh, they can grow, it grows moss and has like cypress and fir trees growing on the back, which there's actually another deity out there, well, kind of deity it's the giant turtle that the world resides on the back of that one also has the same kind of thing where it has a whole entire ecological system is that it ecological yeah ecological system on the back there um now yamata no orochi or orochi for short actually comes from japanese tales of the first tales that are written called the Kojiki and the Nihangi. Now, they're basically like the folklore type things of ancient Japan. Now, one thing I do want to kind of preface preface this with is the fact that some of the stuff that we are going to cover while in the Japanese area, it is also still part of religious aspects. It is specifically the Shinto, I believe, for this one. There is also, I believe, in the future going to be some Buddhism and whatnot. So if I do get anything wrong, I do want to apologize up front because of the fact that it could be considered offensive if that's the case, and I don't mean to be offensive. Um, now, looking into it, I did find here there's basically one tale of Orochi, and that is the battle between Susanoo and Orochi. And these two basically have a fight, I guess you can say, between the two of them. It's not really a fight. To kind of wrap it up in a summary here, um, Susano gets him drunk and kills him. 
it's very quick, very easy. But with that being said, it does give some of the conflict, I guess. Um, now, to put in also perspective here, Susanoo himself, he's actually a god that was kicked from heaven, then came down here and did some deeds, and then essentially got his welcome back into heaven again. He also has some other myths out there that I will probably look into in the future, because I didn't really look much into him. I was focused more on Orochi here. Um, but yeah, let's uh, hear that tale and then kind of break it down from there. So join me now on what I would like to call Story Time with Merlin. Long ago, the storm god Susanoo was thrown out of heaven and descended to earth at Mount Torakama, near the He River in Izumo province. There he came upon an elderly couple of gods named Ashinazuchi and Tenazuchi, who were weeping. When Susanoo asked why they were crying, they explained that they once had eight daughters, but every year the eight-headed, eight-tailed serpent Yamata Norochi demanded one as a sacrifice. They were now down to their eighth and final daughter, Kushinara Hime. Soon it would be time for Yamata no Orochi to demand a sacrifice. Susanoo explained that he was the elder brother of the sun goddess Amaterasu and offered to slay the beast in return for Kushinara Hime's hand in marriage. The elderly couple agreed and Susanoo set in motion his plan to defeat the serpent. First, Susanoo transformed Kushinara Hime into a comb, which he placed in his hair. Then he had Ashinazuchi and Tanazuchi build a large fence with eight gates. On each gate they raised the platform, and on each platform they placed a vat. They poured an extremely powerful sake into each vat. When this was finished, everyone waited for the serpent to arrive. When Yamata no Orochi appeared, the great serpent slithered into the fence and noticed the powerful sake. It dipped its eight heads into the vat and drank the alcohol. Soon the monster fell into a deep, drunken sleep. Susanoo used this chance to make his attack. He sliced the enormous beast into tiny pieces with his sword. The carnage was so great that the He River flowed with blood. When Susanoo had cut the creature down to its fourth tail, his sword shattered into pieces. Examining the part of Yamato no Orochi's tail, which broke his sword, Susanoo discovered another sword within the creature's flesh. This sword was the legendary katana Kusanagi no Surugi. Alright, so that's the story basically of Susano versus Orochi. Now, kind of breaking it down, I know there's some things that probably seem like they are a little bit odd. Uh, one of them being that the, you know, the, the snake was attracted to Saki. Kind of going into what I've researched, apparently Orochi and snakes in general, Susano knew that for some reason snakes are attracted to Saki. Like, if they see it or smell it, they have no choice but to want to drink it. It's something that they do with, like, kind of second nature aspects there. So, that's kind of interesting on that part. 
Um, the other one being that, you know, the Susano was came from heaven down to earth. That's actually because of the fact that, this is kind of funny in my mind here at least, was that he was banished from heaven for playing a prank or tricking his sister, Amaterasu. So he essentially was being punished for playing a prank on her. It's almost like a grounding almost, which is very weird. Um, speaking of which, that sword that he got from fighting him, which was the Kusanagi no Sorugi, that was actually a sword that he offered up to Amaterasu as a forgiveness, I guess you can say, which he did accept, and it did allow him to get back into heaven. So mission successful on that part there. Um, as for the sword itself, it actually became one of the three treasures of the Japan Japanese Empire, basically. Um, what's the actual name here? Let me see. Okay, so taking a look, it's actually one of the three pieces of Imperial Regalia, along with the mirror, Yata no Kagami, and the jewel, Yasukani no Magatama. Um, all three of those, they are supposed to said to be safeguarded in the Atsuta Shrine in Nagoya. Now, if that's accurate or not, you know, no one really knows. I don't think anyone sees it except for the priests. So... But that's kind of cool that a supposed tale here ended up leading into Imperial Treasure. Um, the other tidbit too, so the two elderly individuals that were crying, um, their names again being Ashinazuchi and Tanazuchi, they were actually what is considered earthly deities. Now, what that means is they basically were like lesser gods that came from something else. And their names are very weird on the translations. Um, this is very rough, and I will be honest, I got it from Wikipedia. So, if it is weird, that's probably why. But essentially, the male, which I believe goes by the name of Ashinazuchi, he actually was translated to the foot-stroking elder and then his wife Tenazuchi was the where did it go I had it in my notes here and I just lost it there it is um, hand-stroking elder and then their daughter was the wondrous Inada princess so Kushinada um, now the two though they are the child de of the deity great mountain possessor what that is in Japanese, I have absolutely no idea because I was not really able to find much on that one. But that's where they essentially descended from, was him, and then they had their weird names. So, And by weird, I mean weird in English translation. Now, the Kojiki and the Nihangi, I mentioned those prior. They're actually the lore, which was the 680 AD Kojiki. And then there's the 720 AD Nihonshoki, which both versions, they actually both have an Orochi myth. Um, Susano is the storm god in Shinto religion here, as well as Amaterasu. So again, like I mentioned before, you know, if I did get anything incorrect, 
forgive me. Don't come after me. Um, and don't don't curse me if you do those, because that would be not nice on my part. <laughs> now, kind of going more into Susana O, oh, I actually want to kind of cover a little bit on him as well and exactly what he is. Obviously, he's the Storm God, but let's kind of take a look and see what he's about real quick here for this tale. All right, so kind of looking into it, the Susana O oh is the, according to this, the younger brother, but I know in our tale it said older brother of Amaterasu. Um, basically, it was him, so Susana O, uh, Amaterasu, and then the brother, Sukuyomi, who were the descendants of Izanagi and Izanami. Both of them wore the god and goddess, which apparently Kojiki was for Izanagi, and then the Nihon Shoki was Izanagi and Izanami. That's just kind of a brief thing that I got here real quick. Now, in perspective as to what they actually had, because I know most gods and goddesses and whatnot usually have a realm that they have. So, Susano is the god of the storm, and then the goddess Amaterasu was the goddess of the sun, and Tsukiyomi is actually the god of the moon. Now, they're all considered the three precious children of Izanagi and Izanami. Their birth, from what I can gather, was a little bit different than what normal people would usually think. Um, so in the Kojiki, Amaterasu, Tsukiyomi, and Susanoo came into existence when Izanagi bathed in a river to purify himself after visiting Yomi, which is the underworld, and a failed attempt to rescue his deceased wife, Izanami. So she had already died at this point. He went down there to essentially try and save her by making like a deal. After he got done, he came back, bathed into the river to purify himself, and that's when these three were born. Matarasu came from when he washed his left eye. Sukuyomi was born when he washed his right eye, and then Susano ended up being born when he washed his nose. So like I said, it's a little bit different in terms of, you know, the birth that most people usually would be used to. Um, now, in the Nihon Shoki, Izanagi and Izanami actually had a child that were creating those, th those three there. So, a little bit of a difference, more on the normal on that one here. Um... Now into Susanoo specifically, that's basically what I see here. He has a sword that is essentially a ten-hand sword. Now it was a sword that was his specifically. Um, but that's the general gist of Susanoo here. Now the main one being, of course, the fight with Orochi, which, like I said, <laughs> he was the centerpiece for this. So we'll definitely kind of keep him on the focus here. Now, being as there is so little about Orochi, I kind of want to cover into some of the stuff that he actually is in, in terms of media. Some quick ones here, kind of going into first um, video games here. So, the Persona games, I'm actually going to talk a lot about those over the times, because they have a lot in terms of lore, creatures, gods, goddesses, you name it. So, it is very easy to wrap that in. And in that sense, Orochi here, actually, he is in the game as, I want to say he's actually Yamata no Orochi in 
persona here, but he's a giant eight-headed beast. I believe he actually uses lightning spells, um, but he's in all of the games that are out there for it. The other ones, too, I guess apparently he is also in the Nokami, which is the one where you play the fox and kind of go around Japanese lore and everything. You do get a sword from beating him. It's actually your first sword or glaive that you get as a prize for the battle. So that's actually kind of a nice little tie-in. Now kind of going through, he's also in Shin Megami Tensai, which is also another name for the Persona series. Um, that's their own little branch. They have different ones, but some of the Persona are also Shin Megami Tensai. Now, going into other media, we're going to step over to anime. Now, in anime, he's in shows such as Bleach. Uh, he's actually in Naruto, but he does not, he's not a dragon. He actually is uh, the character Orochi that's in there. So, kind of a little tie-in on that part. He's then also in other shows such as Naruto, or not Naruto, <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh!, um, the Yamata Dragon. It's one of the arcs, I guess, for it. I'll be honest, I have never actually seen that part of it here. Um, and then Tokyo Ghoul, which is kind of a stretch, but it's he's like a little Orochi. He's a ghoul that hunts other ghouls in the show. Now, live action is also the one, actually the one that most people are going to probably know him from. So the show or movies Godzilla Orochi is actually represented in there by King Ghidorah which if you remember correctly is a large multi-headed beast that ruled supreme for a while until Godzilla Godzilla ended up actually winning that one he's in the new Godzilla I believe that just came out which in my opinion I like I enjoy those ones I thought they were pretty decent and they brought back the old school look of Godzilla that everyone usually enjoys um there's also some other animated films too that did occur um one of them I actually found while researching was kind of funny it's called The Little Prince and the Eight-Headed Dragon now Orochi's in there but he's not mentioned by name and he actually gets fought by a basically a child version of Susana O and I guess in, in the movie, it's a 21-minute battle, which, as you can tell by the tale, probably doesn't last that long. But it's definitely a cute-sounding little film here. Um, he is also in some tabletop games, such as D&D, roughly translated in there. He's in Magic the Gathering. There's actually a card, I believe, for him. Um, and then, obviously, we have the mythology and religion and whatnot that we have going on now. He's also in some... Um, literature, Book of Imaginary Beings, which makes sense since, you know, he is a thing of myth or what have you, and lore, so I mean, it makes sense for him to be in there. Um, yeah, that's basically sums it up for Orochi. Thanks again for joining Grinding the Mythos. Hey folks, Merlin here. If you like what you just heard, and if you want to hear more in the future, feel free to like, follow, and subscribe to any of the Grinding the Mythos pages we have out there. There's a Facebook page, Facebook group, I do have a Patreon, and then also a 
Twitter and TikTok are to be coming in the future, so look forward to those. We definitely appreciate the support and hope all goes well.